Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be Unbound podcast. Today is a kind of an interesting day. You'll notice that I'm hosting instead of uh, the indomitable Ben Billups, who tried very hard to host this, but he's in the middle of the uh, Texas snow apocalypse and uh, was chased out of his apartment, had to go someplace else, had a little bit of interconnect connection. We recorded part of this podcast, then we lost him, then we gained him, then we lost him, and then he reluctantly gave up. So Ben, we appreciate the struggle, we appreciate the fight, and we hope that you stay warm. When we did see him briefly on this video, he was wearing a stocking cap and a jacket. Uh, I couldn't see his breath, but he did look a little chilly. Uh, so please know that he tried his best to host this for us this morning. So but we're we're glad to be here. We'll hope that Ben and uh, frankly, more seriously, all of Texas uh, gets the power back on soon. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you because we're joking about it a little bit here, but it has been some really, really tough days in Texas and other parts of the country with this winter storm that's running across the country right now. Uh, so we're looking forward to the podcast today, but as we get started, just want to take a moment to remind you again that uh, we're offering the free decision-making video course that you can find at beunbound.us slash navigate. We're pretty excited about the course, the free video course that we're offering. If you have no interest in anything else, just go get that. We think it'll help you a lot, and we're really excited for you to be able to see that and to use that. But we're also really excited about our Navigate course. And so if you go to that page, you'll find that the Navigate course is open for enrollment. We're looking forward to our spring course. This will be the last time we teach the class entirely live. We had a really great time in the fall doing this, and we're looking forward to meeting everybody and new students in this session as well. And so that will be open for a little bit yet. And so if you're interested in that, please go check it out and definitely go get the, the free video course. And Descend enrollments is opening soon. Uh, Ellie's been busy talking to a lot of different folks about that. And so if you're interested in Ascend and joining us for the fall class, now's the time to schedule an appointment and talk to us about that. And we'd love to have you join our fall class this year. But today we're gonna switch now to talk about productivity, which as Ben noted before we lost him was a little bit ironic because this has been a struggling week for most people for productivity. So perhaps you really need these tips or perhaps you just need to hear these tips now and then get yourself some hot chocolate, go sled riding and put them into practice once the weather gets a little better. Uh, but Jace wrote a blog post about productivity here recently. And uh, Jace, I'm gonna turn it over to you and give us a little bit of an intro on that blog post and what you discussed there. For sure. Well, actually, um, I can't take full credit for this. This is uh, a couple tips that I was able to um, get from several of our alumni and students. Uh, shout out to Daniel and Lamise for sending in your productivity tips. Um, but yeah, getting started, the first one is is actually somewhat hard to do sometimes, prioritizing sleep. Um obviously resting well. And Jonathan, you've talked about that on the podcast before too, but um, rest is a big one, sleep, and sometimes it can be kind of tough to actually prioritize that and make time for it. Yeah. So maybe just a little bit of embarrassing honesty right here, but uh, how, how are you guys doing on sleep this week? I will tell you that I think I nailed seven hours last night, which is probably the best I've done this week. And I tend to think that seven hours is a minimum of what I need. So I would give myself probably a C or C minus on sleep this week. Uh, how about you, Ellie? Um, definitely six to seven and nothing more every night. Even if I plan to get more, it has not happened this week. <laughs> hey, Jace, what's your threshold? What is, what is a good night's rest look like for you? I'm, I'm very happy to say that I've been getting a, a full eight hours, I think pretty regularly this week. Um, 
So it's been a blessing. So just a note for the rest of the podcast, Jace is going to make a lot of sense. Um, I'll make a little less sense and Ellie might make the least <laughs> sense of all and just make sense our sleep, our sleep death is running here. Um, but I don't, I don't know about you guys, but what is, what is your, this, I'm curious, what is your struggle with sleep? At which end of it do you struggle at? Uh, for me, I'm not generally a morning person. And so I, I, I don't like to get up any earlier than I have to. I mean, I can, I can do it. I don't oversleep an alarm. Um, but so typically because I'm a night person, what happens is I, I cut it at the other end. I get up the same time every morning, uh, but I generally have shortened my sleep because I stayed up too late the night before. And, uh, and I can't even claim that I'm staying up late doing like super productive things. I'm typically staying up late reading and I'm going to get one more chapter in or I'm going to do one more thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to bed at 1230, one o'clock in the morning. So what about you guys? See, this is where I'm going to make a little bit less sense, Jonathan, because, um, I'm also not a morning person. I'm usually pretty good at getting to bed on time. But then when I wake up, I put my um, alarm on the desk across the room so that like, I would have to get up and, and turn it off. But what I found is I end up just getting up, turning it off, and then just going right back into bed for like another 20 minutes. So I don't know if it's a lack of sleep that's a problem, but it's just, I guess, more or less um, having a little trouble getting going in the morning. Um, so I well, have to admit that. You have a productivity tip further down the blog post about rewarding yourself. So basically, I mean, you've done the really uh, manly work of getting out of bed and crossing the room in the cold morning. And so, I mean, I, I can see where you definitely want the reward of going back to sleep and taking a nap after that. That makes sense to me. So yeah. That's a good oh way to look goodness. at it. I'm just going to step in here and say that I don't think crossing the room to turn off an alarm is a manly move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like a good move for general people. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so for me, I definitely have a hard time like shutting off at night. So I don't, I don't fall asleep well. I don't get to bed at a decent hour. And then I usually have the same time to same time I need to start in the mornings. Um, even if it's not for work, I have a dog that is demands to get up at 7am. So, uh, in the evenings, I have a really hard time just stopping whatever has been going on all day and having like a good break between whether it's work or whatever else has been going on um, and just moving into like a restful evening where I can unplug and then actually fall asleep. So if I don't unplug, I can't fall asleep. Um, so that's definitely my struggle would be on the other end. And I'm not a morning person. Um, so then it's even harder to get up in the morning because I didn't go to bed at any kind of decent hour the night before. So. So I'm curious, have either of you, so Jace, you're, you're running on pretty solid sleep right now. Um, and so I guess we'll start with you and kind of say, have, do you sense a big difference when you're getting that full sleep? Um, and then Elliot might ask you, you know, have you had times when you've done a lot better and been able to, to, you know, get your full amount of sleep and have you noticed a difference? Uh, let's start with you, Jace. Has it, has it made a difference being able to get a full eight hours recently? I think so. I, I would say yes. I feel like I've been pretty productive this week um, and gotten a lot of things done. And so whether that's due to the sleep or not, I think it's uh, worth noting for sure. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I I have done better in the past and it does help, but I usually it usually takes a while for it to help. So even if I, um, you know, unplug well in the evening and I actually get say seven to eight hours um, at night, but I've been running on five to six for a good long while before then. It usually takes a while for that to actually feel restful. Um, I usually feel more tired if I'm getting excessively more sleep than I'm used to, even if it's technically better for me. Um, so I usually have to get through a cycle of probably a week or so of fighting exhaustion, just like I was before, before it kicks in and actually helps. So 
Yeah, I've definitely noticed that it's one of those things that, you know, you know intellectually and can probably even have proven it that it's better, but it's really hard in the short term. So, for example, I know that if I get full sleep, I'll be more productive. If I'm more productive, I'll have more time because I've got more things done, less time. And therefore, I have some because to me, lack of sleep is generally because I feel like I've been busy all day and I'm trying to squeeze an extra hour of sort of relaxing in uh, on the other end of it. And so I know that if I get the sleep, I'll be more productive. I'll have extra time. I can do that. But there's such a chain of events that have to work its way through there that I sometimes have trouble remembering that instead of just staying that extra hour, <laughs> you know, staying up that extra hour and then paying for it later. So, well, we've now confessed that uh, this is a great productivity tip. We all think it's correct. We're all terrible at doing it. So this is your uh, hypocrisy podcast coming in here. Uh, so let's move down the list, Jason. We <laughs> must can do better on your next productivity tip here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we get any better here. Um, so the next one is um, something from Lemmy. She recommends uh, working in five-minute sprints or just shorter time sprints, if you will, and and not just doing that like for for hours and hours on end, but using that to actually build um, a a longer sprint um, or a longer, I guess, marathon, if you want to use that analogy. Um, so kind of working your way up. So not not doing five minutes forever, but starting with five minutes at a time um, and then over time kind of increasing until within an hour to your your full on study mode or work mode or whatever you're doing. Now, I've not done the five-minute thing, but for a very long time, I've used the 45-minute uh, sprint or whatever you want to call it, uh, where I will pretty frequently set a timer for 45 minutes, work uninterrupted for that time, and then take a break, especially where I can move around, uh, do something physical for a little bit, um, and then come mm -hmm. back. And, and so that has been transformative for me. This is definitely one of those things that I do pretty consistently and makes a huge difference in my ability to get things done. What about you guys? Have you, have either of you tried the, the five minute thing or do you work on a kind of timed platform? Um, I've never tried the five minute thing. I have done the JC mentioned this in the blog post, the tomato timer, mm -hmm. um, where you work for 20 minutes break for five or work for 25 break for five, one of those two. Um, but I tip, I use that for the first time when I was studying. Um, so when I was in school, I started using that and it helped a lot. Now, um, that really only works in certain situations. So it kind of depends on what I'm doing. So, um, obviously if I'm on the phone with students all day, my day is blocked off in, um, 30 minute segments and uh, don't necessarily have time to break for five minutes in between everything. However, if I'm working on a creative project or I'm writing or something like that, um, I do go back to the tomato timer and use the 20 minute um, blocks of time and break for five in between. Um, and that works really well. So it kind of depends on what I'm doing, um, whether I'm working on a project or if I'm, you know, talking to students and, and working with a more time sensitive situation. So depends on that, but I have used the, the 20 minute, five minute break thing. So. Yeah. I don't know if I've actually set a timer at all, really, but I think I've, I've used the same principle of, of doing shorter tasks, smaller tasks and building momentum. Um, cause usually in the mornings, what I'll do is I'll, I'll try and get as much of the little stuff on my to-do list done as possible. And then that way in the afternoon, I have, um, some longer chunks for some deeper work. And, and part of that is just, I don't like leaving things undone on my to-do list by the end of the day. And so I feel like if I can get most of them done, I have like this peace of mind that like, okay, there's a good chance I'm going to get the rest of this done. Whereas if I tried to start out right away with longer chunks, I would be kind of constantly worried at the back of my mind and anxious that like all the other little stuff isn't going to get done. Um, 
So not quite the same, same thing as the five minute timer thing. Um, but definitely an idea of like building momentum throughout the day or throughout your, your work day, um, by doing some smaller things first and then having longer periods, um, later on. Yeah, I certainly can relate to that. I, I like to knock out a few things that make me feel like I've done something and try to pick a couple mm -hmm. of, um, I don't work in five minute increments, but I do identify tasks on my list that I think will take less than five minutes to do. And I like to knock out two or three of those at the very beginning of the day. I feel like I get into it. For me, my productivity time is in the morning. So that's when I want to work on some big projects, but I like to, I like to get a running start by knocking out a couple of things and feel like I'm moving and then no matter what happens at least i can cross some things off my to-do list and i find that immensely satisfying so yeah what's next jace well this is actually a fun one um rewarding yourself um i, I guess sometimes at least i grew up thinking that productivity was supposed to be um kind of draconian but um rewarding yourself i think actually does help you stay productive because we are very um, much driven by external motivation many times um so whether it's like a snack or um a break or something to reward yourself for accomplishing either a certain task or studying for a certain amount of time um, it can be actually really helpful to have a system of rewards and, and kind of almost gamify the whole process. So what's your reward? Do you have a, do you have a reward that you've adopted that you like to use consistently, Jace? I really don't actually. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's just because a lot of the stuff I do feels like a reward in of itself at this point um, <laughs> in my life with the work I'm doing now. Um, but certainly like i think if i was studying um back when i was in school there were i think there was like taking a break and doing something else maybe something active um was was almost kind of a reward in and of itself that i would use yeah the activity is the reward for me i I'd, i actually mm -hmm get kind of, you know, I've, I've looked at this a couple of times and I've tried to come up with elaborate reward systems and, and I, it typically that ends up being more cumbersome than actually just doing stuff. Uh, but the chance to move around and a break um, for me is a big deal. And so if I work 45 minutes, just walk around and shake things loose a little bit helps a lot. Uh, but the big one for me is that I like to run at lunch. And so uh, I work hard during the morning. If I get a couple of things done, then at noon, I'll take a break and run for 45 minutes or so. Uh, then eat a quick lunch and get back into it. And that mid mid break, uh, midday break is a really big deal for me. Uh, it also helps me. I used to try to run in the morning, but since I'm not a morning person, it used to be hard to drag myself into the cold or whatever. Uh, but by lunchtime, I want to be outside. The weather's often nice. And uh, that's a big kind of, you know, reward for me. Got, got some stuff done, chance to get outside, get some fresh air, and then I'm ready to hit the afternoon again. What about you, Ellie? Yeah, um, I love the idea of rewarding myself for working and I don't actually do it well at all. Um, I don't do well in like small increments. So if I were to do like the 20 minute work thing, five minute break, um, I'm not consistent enough with actual rewards during those five minutes. Um, so I'll do small things throughout the day. And by small, I mean anything that just allows me to step away from wherever I'm working for like 
even just 30 seconds to get a drink or make a cup of coffee, make a cup of tea, get a snack and come back. But something that just allows me to step away and then come back. Um, I do try to break up the day with something a little bit larger at some point in time. So similar to you running at lunch, Jonathan, um, it's not always the same time, but if I can just go for a walk um, during the day at some point in time, even if it's at the very end of the day, and that's just my reward for wrapping up the day and it allows me to kind of step away and then come back. So, and it's also really rewarding because it's especially because I work remote. And so my house is also my office. And so if I can, do something at the end of the day to feel like I'm leaving and then coming home. Um, that helps a lot too. So sometimes I'll position, you know, a larger reward, I guess, at the end of the day to help me just step away from it and come back. But during the day, I'm not really great at doing that. And I just try to do small things to at least break it up even for just a minute and then come back. So, yeah, this is one of the tips that I can definitely add if you're working remote or if you're studying remote, and especially if you're doing it for the first time, um, when I first started working remote, which was probably 10 years ago now, uh, it, it was a lot, I was really excited about it, but it turned out to be a lot harder than I thought, especially keeping things <clears throat> separate. At the time I was working in my bedroom. And so that was kind of a strange, like I felt like I never left. And so for, for several weeks or months, I never stopped working. It just, it was constantly, and I was just getting really drained. Uh, and then I started, uh, I came up with this idea and I started commuting to and from work. And so I would literally get up in the morning at the time I was living in a subdivision. I would walk around the subdivision um, and then come back in the morning and start work. At the end of the day, I would close my laptop, unplug it and put it in my briefcase because then I'd have to work to get it restarted. And I would walk home from work, which meant I would just go out and walk around the entire subdivision again and come home. And that mental block really made a big difference between like there was a, a little a literal physical separation between my work day and the rest of my day. Um, I don't walk to work as much anymore, but I still very frequently at the end of the day will shut the laptop down, unplug it so I'd have to log back in uh, and will then walk now around the field beside my house and come home as sort of the end of my, uh, the bookend to the end of my day. And so that's been a big, big difference for me. So mm -hmm. um, I've also used bigger rewards. I've occasionally, you know, have a really big project or a really big deadline or a really big goal to hit. And uh, every once in a while, um, typically almost on an annual basis. Uh, I'll try to, sometimes I'll get something extra special or do something extra special that I've wanted. I don't do it very consistently, but but for several years, after we've survived Apex every year <laughs> and things have gone well, uh, we've found some ways to celebrate uh, by, you know, doing something extra from that. So sometimes these big rewards as a, as a motivator. So, yeah. Well, uh, Jason's next one is about getting some accountability. So tell us about that. Yeah, I think we all know that when we are held accountable by someone else, we are a lot more likely to either do or not do whatever they're holding us accountable to do. So when it comes to studying, um, in a, in a, you know, a college setting or work, if you're working, um, doing some, doing that with other people, whether it's a team or whether it's a study group or something like that, um, having the external motivation of people who are going to be there, who are going to hold you accountable to that. Um, Cause it's really hard to not get stuff done if you are regularly being checked in on with other people um, and they're, they're checking to see if you're getting stuff done. Um, and because we as humans don't like to let people down and disappoint people, that's a pretty, uh, pretty strong external motivation. And it also, I think, helps improve whatever it is we're doing, whether it's studying or work or whatever. Um, when you get the right people 
to work on it with you and to be able you know, to walk alongside you in that, um, you're going to learn from them. You're going to be able to, um, learn from their strengths. And I think overall it, it not, not just in motivation, but just in terms of productivity and learning and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a great thing to get, get some people on your team and, and do stuff with other people. Ellie, have you using accountability for work or for study at any point? Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't use, um, I guess, like assigned accountability. So I don't have people who I've specifically asked to keep me accountable for things. Um, but with work specifically, if I'm working on a project or something that I know needs to be done for a specific purpose, I try to have at least one other person on the team know that I'm working on it. And not even like I've asked them for accountability, but then even in my own mind, I'm like, well, all right, I told Ben I'm writing this copy. So if I don't write it by whatever time, I need to at least update him on the, the progress of it. Um, and so I try to do that and that's um, helped me a lot. And then um, even just, this isn't, really accountability, but I do try to keep like a daily, um, a list, a daily list and like daily reasons why certain things need to get done, what they're connected to. So that helps me just stay on track on why I'm doing things. And then, yeah, having at least one other person who's connected to the project that I'm working on helps a lot. Cause I at least then feel like, even if I don't get it done, I need to at least update someone. And then it kind of keeps it fresh in my mind where I'm at on it and what needs to be done next. So yeah, I've had three kind of interesting examples of this in my life. Um, the first is years and years ago, um, I started meeting with a group of guys. Uh, we originally met at a local gas station. Now we meet a local ca uh, coffee shop. And uh, we started out, it was called a weekly accountability meeting. I honestly didn't want to do it. I went just to make a friend happy. My friend actually never showed up at the meeting. and <laughs> I ended up doing it for years. Um, but at the time, uh, and it does a little differently now, but at the time there was actually a little piece of paper that they gave you and they had a couple subjects listed and they just asked you to score yourself every week on the subject. You can do whatever score you wanted and it was totally self-reported. And I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Um, and it was absolutely transformative. And it was really crazy. Like, I mean, technically you could cheat your numbers, right? Like you could put whatever you wanted on, but I, I never felt motivated to do that. I did feel motivated to put the number down every time and I would get called to the carpet, right? If your number went down, somebody would be like, so, you know, you, your number went down your prayer life. So what's, what's up with that this week? And, uh, and then you'd have to kind of explain it. And so I don't know how many times I look at that and think, I am definitely not going to forget to pray tonight because I don't want to put my number low. And, uh, and so just, just a completely self-reported thing like that in a group was really transformative. And so that was pretty interesting. Um, for Unbound, we do a weekly accountability meeting where we have once a week, uh, everybody reports and everything they get accomplished that week. And, um, you know, we've got a really highly motivated, highly productive group. So I don't know that anybody's ever slacked, uh, but it's really interesting. It's not like we ever come to that meeting and, and bash on somebody because they didn't get something done. Uh, but I know you know, as the CEO, I'm highly motivated to make sure that list looks pretty nice every week because I'm going to have to tell my entire team what I did. And I sure don't want to show up at that meeting and be like, well, kind of had a lousy week. Nothing happened. Um, and so just again, it's a, it's a totally self-reported thing, but it makes a big difference. Uh, more recently, here's another fun example. Um, Victoria Grant, who's our director of coaching and academics um, and content, she, uh, she and I are co-authoring a book together. And so, you know, we can say we have deadlines, we can say all those things, but once a week, we actually have a meeting. In that meeting, we work on some content, typically the outlines for the chapter. And uh, the way that normally goes is that we have the meeting, we're on a Zoom call, we turn the cameras on, uh, and then we don't talk, and then we both work on the, the outline. 
And that sounded really stupid to me, except for I absolutely cannot walk away from that computer until I have the outline done. If I know that I'm sort of wasting Victoria's time by having her there. And uh, we went from we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But a book's a big thing. You always put it off. Uh, to, you know, we've met four weeks in a row and we have four chapters outlined because every single time, you know, I get that done. And so just having that, you know, we're meeting, we're doing this uh, can make a big difference. So accountability is an interesting thing. It, it takes a little effort to set up, but I have always been surprised at the outsized results that I've gotten from it. So, well, if accountability is hard for you, uh, then this next one's interesting because the worst comes first. So maybe the first thing you should do is get an accountability partner. But tell us about this one, Jace. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to actually couple the number five and number six together because they kind of go back up to um, the re rewarding ourselves. So the worst comes first is just the idea that if if you have things on your to-do list that you honestly just don't really want to do, you're going to procrastinate on them. You should do those things first uh, because it will save the good stuff, right? The things that you really are looking forward to doing for later. And that can be its own reward. And then number six is to eat snacks, um, which can be a reward in and of itself, but it's also, um, you know, has some health and nutrition benefits as well. Um, but yeah, just the idea that like procrastination, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, it's not always a bad thing, but then there's certain times where you're just putting stuff off because you don't want to do it. Um, and I think it was Lamise who, who shared this tip and she was just like, just do those things first because it's going to motivate you to get them done so that you can get to doing the things you actually want to do. Um, so maybe in college, this looks like, you know, you're studying for three courses and, you know, one of them is one that you really love. And then the other two are, you know, maybe either average or you really hate studying for those. And so, um, you know, using this, this tip would, would look like, you know, study for an hour or two on those other courses and then know that, hey, once after lunch, I hit the afternoon, then I can go study whatever this other course is that you just love. And um, you can only do that once the other <laughs> courses have been studied for. And that kind of provides a little bit of um, fire. Yeah, this is excellent advice that I don't take. Uh, so I, I absolutely <laughs> agree that this is fantastic. Uh, I have never been able to successfully implement this in my life. I tend to pretty consistently save the worst for last. Um, uh, I know this is absolutely rock solid from a theory standpoint, but I have a hard time implementing it in my own life. Any, any of you, either of you uh, do better than I do on this? No. Um, not really. <laughs> I, like at the beginning of the day, the things that I don't want to do are the things that are left over from yesterday because I just want to start on like the new day. And so if there's anything that I'm just going to knock out in the morning, I'll do like follow up stuff. Um, but I don't even know if that counts in this situation as work that I hate to do because it is so connected to stuff I like doing. So I might just be cheating this question and saying that, oh, yeah, I hate doing follow up tasks. So I do those first, um, even though they're essential for the rest of the day. So, I mean, not really. So, so I, think I would I say that I... Yeah, no, I, I would say that if I do follow this advice, I feel really good because I'm like, oh, wow, like I got all that stuff I wasn't looking forward to done and now I'm in the clear. But that's that's if I if I take this advice, which I don't always. <laughs> well, so our conclusion here is that A, we're being extremely honest this podcast and B, Luis, you're a rock star. Uh, so we're, we're very impressed that you do this. Um, I think we all could agree that we eat snacks. 
Uh, but let's get on to uh, seven here, which I think is mix up your routine. So, Jason. Yeah. So this one, I think this one, you know, everyone should try it on um, and, you know, kind of take this and, and apply it to your own study, your work, um, because it's, I think, based on personality. So the idea is that um, you can kind of get in a rut, you can kind of get in your routine and over time, you just don't get as much done um, in that routine because you're just stuck. And that sometimes switching up your routine, um, mixing up your schedule a little bit can kind of provide a little bit of new um, change and allow you to see things with a fresh perspective and, and be more productive. Um, but I will I will caveat this this point with kind of that idea that this might not be for everyone. Some people definitely probably would be more productive doing the same thing over the same routine day after day. And if you were trying to mix stuff up in your schedule, it would actually throw you for a loop. Um, so I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that are, but um, yeah. What about you, Ellie? Do you mix things up? Are you more of a routine person? Um, yeah. So in terms of order of tasks every day, I'll mix those up sometimes, um, depending on what it is. But I'll play devil's advocate here to the whole switching up your location. Um, I guess this depends on how many locations you have available to you to work in. But I saw something recently shared, and I think um, Ben actually shared it. And it was talking about um, the importance of keeping basically like keeping your location specific what you do because for like the sake of your mental um, ability to do those things well. So for example, if you um, work in bed, you're never going to sleep as well in bed. And so basically like you do the thing well, whenever that's all you do there. So like, if you only ever sleep in bed, you'll sleep great in bed. But if you're always on your phone or you're working in bed, um, you won't ever sleep as well. If the couch is where you relax and read, but you also work there, it's really hard to switch um, gears. If you know, you've been working on the couch all day and now I'm going to stop working. I'm just going to relax and read. It's actually hard to make that mental switch. Um, so I would probably advocate for keeping work locations a little more specific. Um, so I really try to always work at my desk or at the dining room table. And the reason is I have a standing desk. So, um, I work here if I'm standing and then if I need to sit, I'll just go sit at the table. But those are like the only two places I try to work. And I try really hard to never work in bed, which isn't too difficult. I don't ever have a desire to do that. Um, and I also try really hard to never work on the couch. That one I fail at um, quite often. So, um, and because of that, it's really hard for me to relax and read on the couch. Um, but I have two couches, so I try to read on the other one, uh, which is totally cheating. Um, so, <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I don't agree with that part. And I guess not that I don't agree with it. That doesn't work for me. So I definitely need to keep work location specific. And I try to make sure that if I'm ever doing anything, um, you know, if I'm in bed and I'm not sleeping, so I'm reading or doing something that's like relaxing and leading to sleep. So I don't know. Yeah, I would kind of, I go with a bit of a hybrid here too, um, which is I set a routine to do something different. Now this has changed with COVID mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but before COVID, um, I definitely would spend, I, Thursday I would keep for deep work, like writing and working on content and things like that. And I would generally get up in the morning, uh, go to our library or local library and study there or work there um, until lunch, uh, take myself out to lunch. And then I would actually go to a couple of different local parks and actually park the car and park somewhere. So I was like outside in some ways, but working on the laptop 
And uh, that was really helpful because it changed everything in terms of like it gave me some fresh perspective. Uh, it was different from working at the office, but it was the same every Thursday. So like every week I would go there and that was the place where I did deep work, um, which is really cool mm -hmm. now since COVID, I haven't done any of those things. But uh, when that when that was going on, that was really, it was, it was a nice break up to the routine of my week. Um, but it also was kind of a, a routine in itself that kind of triggered me to get into that sort of deep work stuff. So, well, this last one's really good considering what we've admitted here uh, so far, but the last one says, give yourself grace. Uh, so Jace, tell us a little bit about this because obviously we all need it a little bit having already confessed that we're not so great at some of these things. Right. Well, I, I agree, Jonathan. I think this is actually one of the most important because oftentimes when we talk about productivity, we talk about getting things done and checking things off our to-do list and um, producing things and all this kind of stuff. And it can be very easy to get into this mindset of um, measuring our value or our worth by that, um, by our grades, by our, you know, whatever metrics we use at work. Um, but having the idea that um, productivity is meant to, and, and you've talked about this before as well, productivity is, is meant to bless others and serve other people. And so it's not about our worth and our value. Um, it's about, you know, how can we help make the world a better place through the work and the study that we do? So having that mindset and realizing that if I don't get everything crossed off my to-do list today, if I don't have a super productive morning, there's grace for that. And, um, I think living out of grace rather than living out of that kind of, for lack of a better term, legalism, um, usually brings about better benefits and better results, um, when we're working from that spirit of grace. So, um, I guess that's kind of where, where this, there's, this tip is going, um, and just realizing that it's not the end of the world if, um, if we're not productive and that, there's always tomorrow or there's always this afternoon or there's always, you know, an hour from now. Right. Lots of times, and we might do a whole podcast and sometimes uh, we've commented together as a team and as friends that there's an interesting piece of uh, the Christian faith that is kind of 108 degrees, 100 uh, percent that we kind of sort of do two things that seem opposite uh, at full capacity. And I think that this is one of those where I think it's important that we hold this idea that we get as much done as we possibly can. You know, we, we think the things we've been blessed with and try to be a blessing to others. Uh, we are good stewards of what we're given. We manage the time that we have as well as possible. And so we do that to the best of our ability. And yet at the same time, we totally relax and trust God. And, and that's kind of one of those Christian paradoxes that I think makes the Christian worldview so unique and so powerful. Uh, those that doesn't seem like it ought to work. And yet, if you've ever tried to experience or if you ever even approached getting it right, uh, you know that's where it works the best, right? Where you, you do the, the best that you can with what you have and then totally release the results to God and totally trust that you can relax. You know, I've done the best and I'm going to release this. And I, I certainly will not tell you that I've done that perfectly all my life, but I can tell you that I've done it at certain times. And those are the times when I feel like I'm, I'm really where I need to be. Uh, some of you who are listening to this podcast remember James Glenn. He uh, helped us start Student Life and Unbound and was somebody who uh, traveled around, talked to a lot of students, did a lot of teaching. And one of his favorite sayings used to be, he says, you're a human being, not a human doing. And uh, that's a good reminder that, that first to be and then to do. And that sometimes no matter what the productivity is, the most important thing is to sort of stop, uh, relax, trust God and let it go. And uh, that's that's one of the great benefits of being in the faith. So, 
Well, thanks for listening to our podcast today. Uh, ben, we're sorry that you couldn't join us again. Ben, all Texans, everybody else that's experiencing this uh, pretty nasty weather, I uh, hope that you have heat and power back on soon and prayers and thoughts are with you. Uh, again, if you're interested in getting our free video course in decision-making, go to beunbound.us slash navigate. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about productivity-based education and how that works and what we do at, here at Unbounds, and uh, how that can be a transformative educational experience for you, uh, giving you a national network, allowing you to stay connected locally, uh, earn a fully accredited degree if you want to do that, but more importantly, teaching you the kind of real life skills you actually need to be successful, then that would be what our Ascend program does. And enrollment is opening up and uh, we're looking forward to having you in that class if you're interested in those kinds of things. So go to uh, beunbound.us to learn more about that and also to schedule an appointment to get your questions answered. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the next podcast, where hopefully things across the country will be a little bit warmer.